Spitzer's rhetorical situation argues that rhetoric is situational. A situation creates the need for communication. A situation is a conjunction of people, events, objects, and relations. In this world of events, someone discovers something that needs to change, something that should be other than what it is, in his words, an exigence. That person is not able to effect a change on the exigence, but it appears possible that the change could be made by an audience. Communication is necessary here, rhetorical communication. The communication which inspires an audience to act is what we call persuasive communication. Person A persuades an audience to do something. This is the heart of rhetoric. Bitzer argues that to make the situation rhetorical, both the exigence and the audience must be rhetorical. The exigence must be capable of change or modification, and this modification must require the assistance of some other person or people. The person or people who receive the communication, that is, the audience, must be both willing and able to make the change. But there is more to the situation that we need to consider. There are many background factors that are essential and very important to consider. These are all of the factors in the world that can influence whether the audience makes the modification to the exigence or not. These factors either enable or disable the audience's ability to become rhetorical. These various factors he calls constraints. Be careful with his choice of words here. As many philosophers do, Bitzer shifts the meaning of a key word from common usage. You may associate constraints with being limited or tied down to something. I'm constrained by these ropes, for example. There is a limiting idea lurking in the word in normal use. Bitzer is not using the word in that limiting way. A constraint may be a positive factor or a negative factor. He defines constraints as the parts of the situation that have the power to constrain, limit, restrict, or enable the decision and action needed to modify the exigence, to fix the problem. He lists such things as beliefs, attitudes, documents, facts, traditions, images, interests, motives, and the like. Note that in some cases, these constraints may be important in shifting an audience from being only an audience to being a rhetorical audience. They may also shift someone from wanting to help as a rhetorical audience to not wanting to help, i.e. a mere audience. The consideration of constraints will help craft a persuasive communication, or failure to account for constraints may lead to creating an unsuccessful persuasion. For example, last winter, the water line to my horse water tank froze when the temperature dropped to minus 30. I had to carry gallons of water every day. This task was an exigence for me. As I described this situation to my class, I was talking to a mere audience. None of them could help or wanted to help, even if they could. 
But what if one of those students lived close to me? Distance to my house would be a very large negative constraint. So proximity is a positive constraint. It's unlikely that this close student would be excited about lugging water for horses for free. So knowing this, I would need to consider other constraints. Perhaps I offer money, say $5 a day, eh, probably not. $10 a day, maybe. If I said $50 a day, almost certainly that offer would create a rhetorical audience. The higher that dollar amount goes, the wider the sphere of interest and the less impact distance has as a negative factor. At $500 a day, I would get people from the other side of Saskatoon offering to help. Let's go back to my coffee shop example. I enter the cafe and I ask the barista for something, let's say banana chocolate latte. The barista might say, okay, that's $5. Money is a constraint in this situation. I reach into my pocket and discover that I only have $4. Hmm. This constraint could well disable the barista from helping. The rhetorical audience shifts to an audience. The audience that was ready, willing, and able is no longer willing. Maybe I'm a regular customer. Perhaps I visit the cafe every day without fail and have done so for years. They know me well. They might even give me a drink for free or tell me to pay the next time. The same constraint may have different implications or different implications for different people. If the staff have never seen me before, they are very likely to direct me to a banking machine. Maybe I have the $5. The money would be a positive constraint. The barista goes off to make it, only to find the banana syrup empty. This factor would be a different constraint. I might be given a list of substitutions, or as I might call them, optional constraints. On one level, Bitzer's idea of constraint is similar to Aristotle's pathos appeal. A speaker needs to consider the needs, wants, and expectations of an audience, according to Aristotle. But Bitzer embraces a much more complex theory by adding beliefs, attitudes, documents, facts, traditions, images, interests, motives, and the like. We can see that there is a rich diversity of factors that influence an audience that enable or disable an audience from acting. The more you are aware of those factors, the more likely you are to make a persuasive appeal. One final example. A few years ago, I ran a bar. A customer came in and spoke to a server. Clearly, he had an exigence. Maybe he's thirsty. And he ordered a beer. This type of communication is usually simple and effortless. A server is initially a perfect rhetorical audience, both willing and able to address the exigence of a customer. But this customer did not account for the constraints which might apply, perhaps in the area of beliefs, attitudes, or traditions, because he continued with a communication which caused him to be forcibly removed from the bar. I don't know what he said, but he failed to modify his exigence because his consideration of constraints was flawed. So constraints can be a hard limiting factor that make or break a call to action. Or in some cases, constraints might be seen as soft factors that can shift someone from being only an audience to being a rhetorical audience. 
or vice versa. In any case, constraints are essential features to consider in any rhetorical situation.